0: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you
1: smoke it. And it goes down A. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform.
2: I smoke pot and I like it
1: a lot. The Russ Bellville Show. The Voice of the Marijuana Nation. marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Ross Bellville. Good day, tokers and
3: tickets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, March 15, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 908, and coming up on today's show, in the news, more drug testing for unemployment just needs Trump's signature. In our cannabis photo. Focus. Attorney General Jeff Sessions says marijuana is only slightly less awful than heroin. In drug war data mining, we have new polling on data for legalization of marijuana in Canada. In our Hemp Day Hump Day update, we ask best-selling author and hemp expert Doug Fine about industrial hemp vetoes in his home state of New Mexico, and in the radical rant, I deconstruct Jeff Sessions' latest comments on the coal Memo and federal enforcement of marijuana laws. Then in hour two, I respond to criticism from the CBD oil industry for my rant on hemp-derived CBD oil being illegal. But first, let's get to the news.
1: Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News.
3: This is your Cannabis Headline News for Wednesday, March 15, 2017. The U.S. Senate has given its approval to rescinding an Obama-era Department of Labor rule regarding drug testing for unemployment benefits. The joint resolution passed the House on a 236 to 189 party line vote, with just one Republican joining the Democrats in opposition. Without amendment, the the resolution passed the Senate last night on a 51-48 to vote, with all Republicans voting in favor, except one not voting, and all Democrats opposed. President Trump is expected to sign the resolution which restricts drug testing for unemployment to only those applicants who were fired for drug violations or who seek work in fields that mandate drug testing. Without the rule, Republican state legislatures are expected to greatly expand drug testing for unemployment insurance benefits. A spokeswoman for U.S. Senator Johnny Isaacson of Georgia indicates that the Republicans' recent remarks at a telephone town hall meeting were misconstrued. During the meeting, Senator Isaacson said, quote, I think cannabis oil derived from marijuana can be helpful and under regulation for medical purposes should be allowed, end quote. When asked in a follow up question his opinion on the scheduling of marijuana, Senator Isaacson said, quote, in the scheme of things, it's miscalculated in the schedule, end quote. The spokeswoman told the Atlanta Journal Constitution that the senator only supports rescheduling cannabis oil under the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration system, not marijuana more broadly. <laughs> A proposal to reduce the penalty for possessing small amounts of marijuana in New Mexico is working its way toward the House floor as the legislative session nears adjournment. The bill already passed the Senate on a 33-9 to vote, and it cleared its first House committee Tuesday. It must make it through one more committee before reaching the House floor. The session ends at noon Saturday. Senate Bill 258, sponsored by Democratic Senator Joseph Cervantes of Las Cruces, calls for a $50 fine, not the possibility of jail time, if someone is caught with a half ounce of marijuana or less. The person might have to pay some court fees on top of that. Montana lawmakers are considering a 6% sales tax on medical marijuana, but opponents told the House Taxation Committee that the tax would be a hardship on many of the nearly 12,000 registered medical marijuana users in Montana. The tax could raise about $1.1 million a year, with the bulk going to the state's general fund. Some money would be used for an armored car and security guard to collect the taxes directly from dispensaries. The sales tax is one of two marijuana-related measures still wending their way through the legislature. The other proposal would place a 2% levy on marijuana producers. A bill introduced in Massachusetts by Representative Frank Smizic, a Democrat of Brookline, would explicitly protect the rights of a medical marijuana patient to use marijuana without facing discrimination in hiring, firing, or terms of employment. The bill would also protect medical marijuana patients from discrimination in education, housing, and child welfare and custody cases. A case currently pending before the Supreme Judicial Court asks the justices to consider whether Massachusetts law requiring accommodations for someone with a disability extends to protecting someone who has been certified as a medical marijuana patient. The plaintiff, Christina Barbuto, was fired from her job promoting products in a supermarket after she failed a drug test, even though she told the company she had a recommendation from a doctor to use medical marijuana. Massachusetts' existing medical marijuana law does not provide explicit anti-discrimination protections for a medical marijuana uh, worker. Dozens of women have been charged with felony chemical endangerment of a child since 2006 for using marijuana during pregnancy, according to a 2015 analysis of court data by AL.com and ProPublica. Marijuana was the most common drug mentioned in court records, accounting for 20% of the charges against new moms and pregnant women between 2006 and 2015. And that makes Alabama relatively unique. Although Alabama isn't the only state with laws against drug use during pregnancy, its prosecutors have been the most zealous, bringing charges against hundreds of women, even those with low levels of THC and no criminal history. State lawmakers crafted the chemical endangerment law in 2006 to protect children from exposure to chemicals and fumes from home-based meth labs, which can cause irritation, corrosion, and burns. Prosecutors immediately began applying it to women who used drugs during pregnancy, a practice that increased after it was upheld by the Alabama State Supreme Court in 2013.
1: In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Melville Show presents the
3: anti-drug public service announcement of the day.
0: These days, most people who get addicted to heroin start by snorting it. They think it's not as dangerous as using the needle. But the fact is, that's right where you'll end up. <gasps>
1: This has been the
3: Rust Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Exclusively on radicalrust.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email
1: fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show.
4: I smell pot coming from over here and grilled onions from over there. Two of my favorite smells ever. Both those onions and that pot smell really good up here, you know.
1: All right. Well, maybe you're high too.
0: It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilvertour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
1: The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
3: Attorney General Jeff Sessions spoke in Richmond, Virginia this morning to members of law enforcement and the media, telling them in his prepared remarks that he is, quote, astonished to hear people suggest that we can solve our heroin crisis by legalizing marijuana so people can trade one life-wrecking dependency for another that's only slightly less awful, end quote. Wow. Well, (laughs) it's refreshing to finally hear someone within the Department of Justice admit the obvious, that marijuana is less harmful than heroin. It's an improvement from the Obama-era DEA Administrator Michelle Leonhardt's 2012 testimony, where her answer to the question, is marijuana less harmful than heroin, was all illegal drugs are bad. (laughs) So uh, that uh, didn't tell us much more than what we already knew. But marijuana, a life-wrecking dependency? Come on, Attorney General Sessions. Compared to heroin, only slightly less awful? (laughs) Really? Dependency on heroin can kill a person. Dependency on marijuana cannot. There is a huge gap on the life-wrecking scale that Attorney General Sessions is missing here. Especially the two legal drugs, alcohol and tobacco, whose capacity to wreck and end lives approaches that of heroin. And Session is clearly behind when it comes to the relationship between legal access to marijuana and reduction in opiate overdose deaths. Him him talking about swapping out one life-wrecking dependency for another that's slightly less awful reminds me of his previous remarks where he said it was ridiculous that people were suggesting legalization of marijuana to combat the uh, heroin epidemic. This, th- At least three times now, uh, he has made remarks similar to this. And he's clearly not following the science on this. Here's from uh, one report. This was uh, reported by Reuters uh, on a study that said, quote, In states with a medical marijuana law, overdose deaths from opioids like morphine, oxycodone, and heroin decreased by an average of 20% after one year by two years and up to 33% by years five and six compared to what would have been expected according to results in the journal of the American medical association, internal medicine. It's funny how these guys always want to point at the AMA and the doctors that say smoked marijuana isn't medicine. Smoked marijuana isn't medicine. Listen to the AMA. The AMA says that it causes schizophrenia and it leads kids to having lower IQs and the AMA says this, the AMA says that. As soon as the AMA says, hey, marijuana leads to less opiates, oh, now we're not listening to the AMA anymore? Hmm. There's also science showing the reduction in opioid addiction. Not just death, but addiction as well. This uh, report was uh, on the... Government's own website, this is at Drugabuse.gov. National Institutes of Drug Abuse. This is your own folks, Attorney General. They say quote States with licensed medical dispensaries had lower opioid overdose mortality rates and fewer admissions to treatment for opioid addiction than they would have had without the dispensaries. The estimated sizes of the reductions were sixteen to thirty one percent in mortality due to prescription opioid overdoses and and 28 to 35% in admissions for treatment of opioid addiction. This latter reduction was steeper, up to 53% among patients who entered treatment independently of the criminal justice system. End quote. Got that? Reductions from a sixth to a third in death, reductions from a fourth to a third in opioid addiction, and reductions of half in in the opiate addiction. If you're only counting the people who choose to go to addiction, not the ones that are busted by the cops and the drug court forces them there. Jeff Sessions is also missing out on the reduction of not just opiate addiction, but just opiate overall use. Uh, A couple of ways we measured this one uh, study measured or tested the bodies. It, It got the, 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 the statistics, the data from testing bodies of car crash victims. Which is a pretty random sample. Uh, True, not everybody drives, and the more younger you are, the more likely you are to drive and so forth. But people of all races, ethnicities, ages drive and accidentally die in car crashes. From this study, quote, Fewer people are using opioids in states that have legalized medical marijuana, according to a study published Thursday in the American Journal of Public Health that bolsters advocates' claims that marijuana can substitute for more deadly drugs. The study, which examined data from 1999 to 2013, found an association between a state legalizing medical marijuana and a reduction in testing positive for opioids after dying in a car accident, particularly among drivers aged 21 to 40. Jeff Sessions is also behind on the science on the reduction of opiate prescriptions. So not just deaths, not just overdoses, not just abuse, not just use, but actual access to the, to the drug in the first place. This was reported in the Washington Post. Quote, One of the most stunning drops in the report was in prescriptions of painkillers, which are currently in the spotlight due to a nationwide epidemic of opioid addiction. The researchers found that doctors in a state where marijuana is legal ended up prescribing an average of 1,826 fewer doses of painkillers per year. End quote. Now, it's not like the Attorney General isn't aware of the devastation wrought by our opiate Epidemic. He noted in his remarks, quote, every three weeks we are losing as many American lives to drug overdoses as we lost in the 9 11 attacks, end quote. So, does Sessions place any of the blame for this epidemic on the pharmaceutical companies that have been aggressively developing and marketing these opioid drugs? Does Sessions plan to reform policies of his department's Office of Diversion Control, which has rubber stamped ever-increasing opioid production quotas requested by the pharmaceutical companies to the tune of a 39-time increase from 1992 to 2015. We are producing 39 times more opiates than we did in the early 90s. Anything from Sessions on that? Nope. Jeff Sessions has no words for the pharmaceutical industry in his remarks, instead vowing that, quote, We need to confront the heroin and opioid crisis in our nation and dismantle the transnational cartels that bring drugs and violence into our neighborhoods, end quote. Well, this view of the opiate crisis as one of some sort of foreign invasion, rather than the domestic poisoning that it is, the corporate profits involved, well, it fits well with this administration's zeal for walling off the southern border. Here's another quote from Sessions' prepared remarks today. Quote, Illegal drugs are flooding across our southern border and into cities across our country, bringing violence, addiction, and misery. We have also seen an increase in the trafficking of new, low-cost heroin by Mexican drug cartels working with local street gangs. As the market for this heroin expands, gangs fight for territory and new customers, and neighbors are caught in the crossfire. Let's, uh, let's ignore for the moment that Dos Equis and Corona aren't shooting it out in the streets of Mexico for control of their territory and for new customers and neighborhoods. We don't find Jack Daniels and Jim Beam fighting it out over control of their territory, new customers and neighborhoods. Newport, Cool, Camel, Marlboro, no gunfire going down there, no crossfire there, no violence and misery there from those drugs, at least for the people that aren't taking them. Every time Jeff Sessions gets behind a podium and talks about the danger and violence inherent in the trafficking of drugs, it ignores the 800 pound elephant in the room that it's the prohibition of those drugs that's causing the crime, the violence, and the misery. Sessions insists that he'll use increased law enforcement to, quote, stop both the transnational cartels as well as, quote, the thugs, gangs, and gangs who use violence and extortion to move their product, end quote. Well, it's too bad he doesn't have the same vigor to go after the transnational corporations and their attractive sales reps who use gifts and promotions to move their product. It's always the marijuana causing the problem, and I'm telling you, this focus on the on the heroin epidemic is going to be one of the justifications that Jeff Sessions and the Trump administration use to go after marijuana. We, we tend to think that it's going to be, oh, look at all this evidence, look at all these facts that show that marijuana reduces opiates. Sessions is one of those guys who wants to stop people from using marijuana in the first place because he believes marijuana inexorably leads to crime and violence and people using heroin. In his speech today, he talked a lot about prevention, stopping people from ever using drugs in the first place. He he talks longingly of the 1980s and early nineties of the just say no efforts to stop people from using drugs. Just say no. He points to the reduction in the reported use of drugs throughout the 1980s to bolster his case. He is going to make the argument that we need to crack down on the liberalization of recreational marijuana because it's the liberalization of those attitudes that leads people to want to try drugs and then makes them believe that they can use them with impunity. This is a very tough, tough argument to make.
0: Oh, won't somebody please think of the children?
3: That's my hope that saner heads will prevail. And they'll look at the facts, science, reason, and logic and realize that people smoking pot is a better thing than people dying of opiates. Then again, looking at their new health care bill, I'm not so sure the Republicans are that concerned about people dying off. That could be the goal. Happy 420, Mountain Time Zone. We'll be right back with some Canadian polls right after this, eh?
1: You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show. Uh,
2: Americans have increasingly come to the conclusion that the drug war is a failed policy.
1: You can find Radical Russ online everywhere.
3: Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs.
1: Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining.
3: Today in Drug War Data Mining, we take a look at the issue of marijuana legalization in Canada. This was a major promise by Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party to move forward with legalization in the Great White North. Looks like they're dragging their heels a little bit on this and the recent prosecutions and raids of Mark and Jody Emery in cannabis culture uh, are cause for concern. But against that backdrop, we've got a new poll coming out from NRG Research Group and Peak Communications or Peak Communicators, excuse me, uh, that gives us some hope for moving forward in Canada. The support for marijuana legalization in this poll amongst Canadians is at majority level at 51% support. Now, I'm a little concerned that here in America, we're at 57, 58, 59, 60% support in the most recent polls. I'm not exactly sure why Canada is lagging behind us now. Used to be we were the ones with the low polls and Canadians were the sensible ones wanting to legalize, but it's majority support across North America, no matter how you slice it. Uh, According to the poll, one-third of Canadians oppose legalization, uh, even 33%, and 14% are undecided, uh, neither support nor oppose. Uh, The support, of course, is greatest amongst youngest Canadians. Those aged 18 to 34 show 60% support, and there's more support out West, just like the United States, where Manitobans are at 59% support and British Columbians at 57% support. Quebecers are the most likely to oppose legalization at 37% support. And, of course, people who currently smoke marijuana are much more likely to support his legalization, 83% versus 46%. So that's something of concern there. People that don't smoke marijuana are the largest group of voters. You know, those of us who smoke pot range from 8 to 14% of us, depending on uh, how you look at it. So you've got to get the votes of people that don't smoke marijuana and having them at only 46% support is a little concerning. Now, they asked also about legalization unfolding in Canada, what they thought it should include, what they thought it would uh, affect in Canada. According to the president of Energy Research Group, Andrew Enns, he says, quote, 63% of Canadians support a specific sales tax on marijuana if it were to be legalized. They want a marijuana tax. The taxes got the most support in Saskatchewan at 88%, 73% for Alberta, 70% for B.C. 51% believe that uh, the sales of marijuana by organized crime groups will decrease if marijuana is legalized. But they're worried about some of the other aspects of legalization. 59% of Canadians believe legalization of marijuana would increase use by minors. And people that oppose legalization are particularly likely to believe that, 85% of them. Now, the evidence we've got here in America shows there's very little effect on the youth use rates of marijuana in the places that have legalized it or medicalized it, but an extreme growth rate among older folks, rising to tripling amongst the seniors. So I would just urge Canadians to remember that the youth that want to smoke pot have their access they know the kid that, that sells weed in the high school parking lot or behind the shop class or they can meet someone at the parking lot of the Seven Eleven, or what would it be up in Canada? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Tim Norton's, whatever. Tim Horton's, uh, whatever. But this is a, a, a reality that the kids already have their access. They're They're not deterred by the underground market. That's so that there's not likely to be much change for them at all. What gains there might be from being able to send some straw purchaser in for a uh, illegal access to the to the product are offset by the number of weed dealers who have to who can't compete in the market anymore. So really, it's not that big of a concern. Also, they find that uh, 87 percent of Canadians think that marijuana sales, if legalized, should be limited to adults in the same manner As alcohol and tobacco, which is an interesting prospect, given that there are differing alcohol uh, laws throughout the provinces in Canada. Some uh, 19 year old drinking age, some have an 18 drinking age. I think Quebec is. Uh, Is there one with a 21 drinking age? I'm not sure, but uh, I think that would be interesting. So we'd have to pick which alcohol would we treat it like? (laughs) Two thirds of the Canadians, 67 percent, believe legalization would increase people driving under the influence of marijuana. And again, Canadians, let me make this point clear to you. Marijuana legalization does not invent cars and driving. For as long as there's been marijuana and cars, there have been people smoking and driving. And it hasn't caused stoned mayhem on the freeways. We have not seen massive incidents, massive increases in our statistics in highway fatalities or wrecks or crashes or anything like that based on whether a place has a lot or a little marijuana use. It just doesn't correlate. There's also uh, questions here about the relative danger of marijuana compared to alcohol. A third, 32%, think marijuana is more dangerous than alcohol. 46% say they're about equal. Folks, we got to get you around on this one. A third that think marijuana is more dangerous than alcohol. We can't even get those kind of numbers in the United States anymore. Wow. Uh, adults over 30, or under 35 are more likely than older adults to perceive marijuana use as no more dangerous than drinking. There's also uh, a gap in consumption. Uh, Three quarters of Canadians, 74%, believe the use of marijuana by adults for recreational purposes would increase if marijuana were to be legalized. Yes. Yes, it would. I I will agree with that, especially among older folks. However, only 30% of current users would likely increase their consumption and 17% of current non-users would likely consider using marijuana in the future. Well, again, uh, current users, we've got our market already set up. We've got our guy we know. We've got the person that we get our grow from. Our habits won't change much. It's those casual consumers that have to make that occasional hookup that will be the bulk of your customers. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we got Doug Fine with a Hemp Day Hump Day update.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day Update. Well, today in our Hemp Day Hump Day Update, it's uh, particularly appropriate because we've got hemp news coming out of the state of New Mexico, where our next guest is usually located. It's Doug Fine, the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, the acclaimed hemp expert. How you doing, Doug?
2: Wow. Thanks for the kind introduction, Russ. I'm doing great. Thank you. And I am here on the Funky Butte Ranch in New Mexico.
3: Okay. So the the latest news i would given folks on uh, New Mexico and hemp is once again, your Republican governor, Susanna Martinez, has vetoed not one, but two different hemp uh, bills. What do you make of all this there, Doug?
2: Um, for somebody has been working on it um, for several years and, and helped write some versions um, Last week, I stopped in outside of Santa Fe to pass off a bottle of uh, my own Vermont Group's hemp product to uh, a sponsoring legislator uh, so he could wave it around on the Senate floor. Um, the, it's not a shock. It comes down to a lot of uh, political infighting stuff. Um, you know, it, None of this changes that it's horribly wrong, but if you really want the uh, up-to-the-minute up to uh, there is now a bill, it's got three days till the end of the session, um, but there's a bill that evidently is very similar to the weaker of the two that the governor evidently uh, is friendly to, so we'll see. Um, we'll see if it, if, if it will happen. It's uh, It's disappointing regardless because the better bill allowed for New Mexico to be one of the more robust programs, namely farmers planting hemp as opposed to uh, this kind of, like, cautious nonsense that some states are doing in terms of very limited initial uh, initial trials.
3: Now, the plan, then, is to go with this new bill that she may be more amenable to. Was there not enough uh, support in the chamber for an override of the vetoes?
2: I was wondering the same thing, and um, there's just three more days in the session. I guess it was thought that this uh, might easier and because it may have uh either stemmed with her at least coming through an ally there might be some face saving um uh for it because uh it's evidently very similar to one of the bills that was vetoed again as i said the weaker of the bill and that one was put forth for the third year in a row by sort of our governor's political nemesis and she doesn't tend to smile on those uh kind of bills but there was a better one put forth by somebody else that she also vetoed and um those of us who had been working on the bill including Um, In discussions with the governor's office, we're we're, uh, disappointed, Um, but, uh, you know, if they want to drive business out of the state, uh, that's a good way to do it.
3: Well, there will be a few more states for her to drive business, too, as uh, industrial hemp continues to pick up support all across the country. It's uh, just a week away from the vernal equinox. We're approaching the first day of spring here. So what do you got for us on uh, the update for the spring planting? Uh, where are we planting hemp? How much of it? And how much are we going to harvest?
2: Well, for as it has every year since federal law allowed, Uh, Hemp to be planted again in the 2014 Farm Bill under uh, research conditions. The acreage is slated to triple again. um, There are people growing more acreage individual farms in Kentucky and Colorado next year than the entire nation or even actually all of North America grew just three years ago. Hmm. So hemp uh, under difficult conditions is experiencing monstrous growth. Uh, programs, multiple projects I'm involved in, uh, look to be growing. Um, look to be growing in terms of increasing acreage, so um, it's looking very, very promising. Um, at the moment, besides having this exciting product release for our Vermont uh, uh, product, I can tell you about, we also um, I'm also helping a lot of states, helping like some Indian tribes, have uh, uh, farmers in states, and uh, whenever you get into the state bureaucracies. There's real frustration because, the very, you know, the truth is very, very simple, which is just there doesn't need to be regulations for him, and it's just a crop. This is where everything's heading on the, on the federal level. And so it's a bit frustrating to be dealing in different states with uh, fears and, and rearview mirror looking that is irrelevant. And uh, so that part's always frustrating, and that's why I live on a goat ranch and uh, I don't get involved in politics, but sometimes you have to.
3: Indeed. So of these states that are currently uh, putting hemp in the ground, which which one's got the most uh, that we'll be looking forward to?
2: Kentucky and Colorado um, both will have um, potentially each north of 10,000 acres in each of those states, which is astounding. Um, A state that I'm involved in, um, uh, which is uh, Vermont, is Small, but um, providing sort of a high-end craft kind of Ben and Jerry kind of market. There, there's the acreage is growing in proportion with the growth of the rest of the industry in Vermont. I'm really kind of proud of Vermont. Um, Washington's coming online. Um, it's in a limited way. Uh, you're not allowed to grow for applications deriving from the flower, which, again, I, I, it's insane is not too, uh, <laughs> not too strong a word for that. Uh, I like to think of forgetting about the health benefits um, of, healthy, of healthy products. Um, just imagine Steve Jobs and, and Larry Ellison and these people at the forefront of the Silicon Valley revolution in the 1970s saying, you can only manufacture devices from these type of elements. Uh, it's, it's pure uh, hampering of an important uh, economy. And then another issue is, even though federal law explicitly pro, pro, uh, allows um, permitted hemp farmers to transfer viable seed to other permitted hemp farmers, some states get that. Other states are acting as though they have to involve agencies and import seeds when American farmers already have high quality viable seeds. Um, and so there's, there's bumps and frustrations and hurdles. But um, I'm proud to say our Vermont group got in a multi-ton harvest, and we're, we're excited to, to plant again.
3: Now, we're, uh, of course, excited about these harvests, but the next step is uh, processing that hemp. Uh, this is a part of the hemp uh, industry that we've talked about in the past. It's kind of lacking. Are there any developments in the corporate world or through the, the hemp states themselves to do the decortization <laughs> and, and the other processing plants that are needed?
2: um a great question and uh so i have the luxury of um being a luxury provider um in that we in growing 23 acres and then growing moderately from that this year in vermont we are high-end craft people who press our oil on our farm or besides the quality of the product um we we have that extra um branding ability to say everything in our product and our first year product came from our farm um so for this um this product called Hemp in Hemp that we're doing, which is um, the flower of the plant infused in the, in the seed oil from the same plant, um, it's a, it's a uh, sort of massage oil, sore, sore muscle salve, I love it in the bath kind of thing. For that, um, we, uh, we processed it entirely on our own. And again, as we grow, that's going to be impossible to continue. So we are, too, going to be looking for, for, uh, for pro- processing infrastructure that said um this is an issue that people are not um unaware of so to give you one example um friends and colleagues of mine on the western slope of colorado um are actively involved in working with the regional governments county governments in that part of the state um farmers groups to coordinate a central processing facility and these are not in the clouds dreamers these are practical get it done ranchers who are keeping tabs on prices for the various components of the plant. And it's interesting that you mentioned decortication because um, fiber is really surprising me in the way that it's coming on. It's the fastest growing component of the, of the plant in uh, Canada. And we, in Vermont, we've had to turn down a big uh, very big fiber order this year because we just didn't focus on that side of the plant. And it's good to know that people are starting to think about hemp's many uses in fiber, seed, and flower.
3: Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we reported on a story about the DEA updating a, a, a making a clarification about uh, CBD derived from hemp, and they said that there are no cannabinoids within the hemp stock or the the seed or the sterilized seed from which you could get CBD oil. They have to be getting it from resins that are sticking to the to the stock or to the seeds. And I know we've talked in the past about some of these hemp farmers looking at growing hemp specifically for the flower production for cbd do you think this clarification uh, makes any difference to them since they're just dealing with it on the state level or is it something from the feds you know that, that it's going to be kind of scary to hemp farmers
2: oh it's a big enough deal to hemp farmers that the hemp industries association filed a lawsuit against the reclassification Oh, cloud um, applications and the nutraceuticals market is arguably the biggest segment of the economy it's non-psychoactive if the THC levels in the final products meet federal hemp definitions. And so it's both legally incorrect based on the farm bill and also just insane on a practical level to try to call any component of the, of the cannabis plant other than THC uh, to claim that it's under the purview of the Controlled Substances Act. So it's good to know as a as a hemp farmer and a hemp entrepreneur that the industry trade groups um, have our back and hopefully nobody is going to have to be made an example of. Um, but if they do, will prevail. Um, this has happened before um, in the year 2000 when, uh, when hemp, hemp uh, companies that today we consider mainstream in every supermarket or Walmart in the land, Nutiva, Dr. Bronner's, these folks had to go to the legal mat with federal agencies claiming that's feed products today we know is omega food we're not allowed so we just have to every now and then force our way to what's right for the economy and the country
3: Exactly. Well, Doug Fine, you are one of our treasures here on the Russ Bellville Show, and we appreciate you joining us here monthly to give us the latest updates on our Hemp Day Hump Day update. But uh, you're also out there, out and about to different events and fairs and such. I know you got the NOCO Festival and such. Is there anything, uh, any events you want to tell people about in this last uh, 30 seconds or so?
2: Sure, yep. You mentioned in NOCO doing your keynote speech on what I wish I knew before I became a hemp farmer plus several panels. On March 30th, April 1st, our Family Green Hemp booth will be there, including the Hemp & Hemp uh, product that I mentioned during our uh, segment today. Folks can also go to familygreenhemp.com if they're interested in that, um, learning more about that. And also, uh, Earth Day, I'm a Menominee Nation. I'm working closely with uh folks within the menominee nation to uh help them get back on track after their raid last year mm-hmm. for hemp and, uh get prepared for uh hemp with all the keys crossing all the eyes out all
3: right good luck to you doug fine we'll be keeping touch with what's going on and folks you want to follow doug get him at dougfine.com follow him at organic cowboy on twitter doug we'll talk to you next month about some more hemp
2: Look forward to it thanks rusty for the good work
3: all right, stay tuned. When we come back, the Radical Rant on Jeff Sessions. We've got the audio from his follow-up
4: comments coming up next.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. This is The Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals.
2: <coughs>
1: or at least they pay me to say that.
2: Yes, I can of it.
1: A public service message from The Russ Belleville Show. Total war against public
2: enemy public number one. Ten number one. federal one. criminal penalties
4: for, for one ounce of marijuana. marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug.
2: Legalization, Legalization is just another word for surrender. For surrender. I'm with marijuana. This is not medicine. This is a Cheech and Chong Encourage people to use, use less drugs. I am That was the point. I think
4: we've made a mistake. to mistakes. Mistake. Negative I reports have. coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana.
3: Earlier in the show, I reported on Jeff Sessions. He was speaking this morning to a group of law enforcement professionals in Richmond, Virginia. And in his prepared remarks, he said that uh, he was astonished by the idea that people are saying we ought to legalize marijuana to combat the heroin epidemic because he characterized it as trading one addiction for a slightly less awful one. One life wrecking devastation for a slightly less awful one. Also in his remarks, he went into uh, great detail about his feelings toward law enforcement and how the police lately have been smeared uh, by the media, by the public for the actions of only a few bad apples, just just a few bad cops. And, of course, this uh, dovetails into the uh, sessions or the Trump administration disregarding and, and doing away with the uh, Department of Justice guidance on the pattern and practice abuses that we find in these police departments, Chicago, Cleveland, Baltimore, where they found a pattern, a regular procedure of abusing people, of disregarding their rights usually on a racial basis. And of course, Sessions doesn't believe any of that. He thinks just, just a few bad apples, just some bad cops. They always forget the other part of that saying, a few bad apples spoil the barrel, right? (laughs) They always forget about that part, but he wants to characterize it as a few bad apples and that we need to uh, lionize law enforcement and, Yada, yada, yada. You can look that stuff up for yourself. He also made a a couple of other remarks that I thought were uh, noteworthy. And I want to get to these real quick just before we dig deep into his comments about medical marijuana and the Cole memo and so forth. Because there were a couple other criminal justice things I wanted to cover. One of them had to do with – and this is all audio from his remarks afterwards. Uh, I don't have the audio from his speech beforehand, but his remarks afterwards I was able to get a hold of. And uh, there was a part of the discussion where the reporters were asking about this pattern in practice, these police abuses, these racist police departments that have been uh, uh, under direction of the Department of Justice because of this. And he offered this uh, interesting justification, uh, an interesting defense
4: of what some of these police departments are going through. When you fight crime, you have to fight it where it is. And um, you may have at some point a, uh, uh, an impact that, uh, uh, of a racial nature that we hate to see. But if it's done properly, uh, it's the right thing. In other words, if it's focused fairly and objectively on dangerous criminals, then you're doing the right thing. So this is that old defense of well, the reason
3: why we're arresting so many black and Latino people is because that's where the crime is. We go to the crime ridden neighborhoods of the inner cities and where poor people are living, that's where all the crime is, and my goodness, there's all the criminals are black and brown, and it just so happened that's where the crime is. We've heard that justification before. Uh the other uh and again, the the, the debunk of that justification is There's plenty of crime in the rich white neighborhoods. It's just white collar crime. It's just all sorts of crimes we don't bother to prosecute. That's the problem. Also, it ignores the fact that by establishing this war on certain American citizens using non-pharmaceutical, non-alcoholic, tobacco-free drugs, we entice We incentivize the officers to make these low level drug arrests that are easily made in the city amongst people that don't have a suburban garage or a park or a basement someplace to hang out and smoke dope. But they're out there on the on the stoop or in in the city uh, alleys or whatever. They're easy to bust. And given that they're poor, they're less likely to have lawyers or know their rights. And so we can get better arrest statistics. He ignores all that part another controversy that the reporters asked him about today in Richmond was about this claim by the president of the United States that the previous president of the United States tapped his phones. Uh, Sessions couldn't quite stammer out a good answer to this, could he? Do
0: you ever give him any reason to believe that he was wiretapped by the previous administration?
4: Um, look, um, answer no. Um, but, um,
3: Or, uh, but, uh, um, or, uh, no, (laughs) of course he didn't (laughs) even Jeff Sessions. Isn't that stupid? All right. So we got that out of the way. Let's talk about the marijuana comments. I'm going to play the full two minute clip of all the reporters questions, all his answers, all the follow-ups so that you have the context and you can make your own decision about this. But I don't hear anything good coming out of this.
0: Sir, on your, um, your statement about marijuana, do you distinguish between medical marijuana and recreational use? You focused your remarks on, and also, will you be cracking down on any states that have already legalized marijuana, recreational or medical?
4: Um, I think uh, medical marijuana has been hyped um, maybe too much. It possible that some Dosages can be constructed in a way that might be beneficial. I acknowledge that, but um, have you just smoke marijuana, for example, where you have no idea how much THC you're getting, uh, is probably not a good way to administer a medicinal amount. So forgive me if I'm a bit dubious about that. But the but the idea that recreational marijuana there's nothing wrong with it and we should just legalize it, I personally doubt. And I'm not in favor of that based well, on my apparently. personal experience. Wait, but will Thank you two well. states
0: that Please. have legalized marijuana, or will you push for arrests in those
4: states? States can um, – no, I've made clear about where we stand on that. One just for more time, I'll just repeat it. Uh, the federal law on marijuana remains in effect in every state. It's not eviscerated because a state – ceases to enforce the law in that state. A cold memorandum set up some policies under President Obama's Department of Justice about how cases should be selected in those states and what would be appropriate for federal prosecution, much of which I think is valid. I may have some different ideas myself in addition to that, but essentially uh, we're not able to go into a state and uh, pick up the work that Police and sheriffs have been doing for decades. So in those
3: remarks, many people are, I think, taking him to be far more positive than they really are. And and to illustrate this, I just want to go through this step by step so that we can kind of listen to it and think about it together. Because dry, trying to figure out Jeff Session's intent regarding the Cole memo. Uh, has pretty much divided the marijuana punditocracy. It's like the blue-black dress debate. (laughs) It just depends on how you see it, what you think's going on. There are those out there who find some solace in his remarks. They interpret his vague comments positively in the context of allowing the status quo of federal hands-off of legal marijuana states to continue. And then there's those of us in my camp who interpret his vague comments negatively In the context of knowing that he's an unabashed drug warrior who waxes nostalgically about the just say no policies of the 1980s. So this is a guy uh, who believes that marijuana is something that's just terrible and terrible, terrible, and that we need to do something about that. He
4: believes that uh, my view is that crime does follow drugs. He believes and it's. False that marijuana use doesn't lead people to more drug use, and
3: in an earlier uh, set of remarks that echo what he said today about
4: heroin, marijuana is a cure for opiate abuse. Give me a break. I mean, you know, this is the kind of argument that has been made out there to just almost a desperate attempt to uh, defend uh, the harmlessness of marijuana or even its benefit.
3: So this is, uh, th- that's the context we have to go with. This is a guy who believes this stuff at face value. And
4: so when he said in his remarks... But essentially, uh, we're not able to go into a state and uh, pick up the work that the police and sheriffs have been doing for decades.
3: So if you're in the positive camp, you heard Sessions conceding that he won't fight the states that have legalized. If you're in the negative camp, you heard Sessions only conceding that he can't commandeer local law enforcement to aid in physical raids in the legal marijuana states, so that won't be the way that he cracks down on legal marijuana. Earlier, he was asked by uh, right-wing talk show host Hugh Hewitt about uh, cracking down on uh, marijuana through the use of rico laws
1: one rico prosecution against one marijuana retailer in one state that has so-called legalization ends this facade and this flaunting of the supremacy clause will you be bringing such a case
4: and in response to that well um we'll be evaluating how we want to handle that i think it's a little more complicated than one rico case i gotta tell you so
3: People heard it's a little more complicated than one RICO case. If you're in the positive camp, you heard Sessions dismissing Hewitt's call for RICO prosecutions as something that's naive. If you're in the negative camp, you heard Sessions dismissing Hewitt's naive idea that just one RICO prosecution would be all it takes to crack down on marijuana, and you didn't hear him dismiss the idea of using RICO prosecutions. Now, also in the past... Attorney General Sessions has called the Cole Memo valuable in evaluating whether limited federal resources should be used to enforce the Controlled Substances Act. He also said this.
4: The Cole Memorandum set up some policies on President Obama's Department of Justice about how cases should be selected in those states and what would be appropriate for federal prosecution, much of which I think is valid. I may have some different ideas myself in addition to that. So if you're in the
3: positive camp, you heard Jeff Sessions committing to the policy of the status quo of not interfering with the legalized states. If you're in the negative camp, you just heard Jeff Sessions praising the Cole Memo as an excellent checklist of justifications for interfering with the legalized states. Now, when he was pressed on whether he would follow the Cole Memo as his predecessors did, Jeff Sessions
4: waffled. The federal law on marijuana remains in effect in every state. It's not eviscerated because a state ceases to enforce the law in that state. So if you're in the positive camp, you'll just note that, well, every attorney
3: general says that. Holder said that. Lynch said that. And the definition of the job of attorney general requires him to say that. But if you're in the negative camp, you will note the glee with which... The current attorney general says that weighed against the fact that he is a guy
4: who says this drug is dangerous. You cannot play with it. It's not funny. It's not something to laugh about. And and trying to send that message with clarity that good people don't smoke marijuana.
3: Didn't know he was a DJ when he said that, did you? Also, Jeff Sessions, in numerous appearances, has linked the use of marijuana to crime and violence, saying that experts are telling me there's more evidence around marijuana than one would think. Current levels of THC in marijuana are very high compared to what they were a few years ago, and we're seeing real violence around that. Well, if you're in the positive camp, you heard... Jeff Sessions obviously talking about cartel and gang violence around illegal marijuana, not state legal marijuana. But if you're in the negative camp, you heard Sessions linking marijuana itself to crime and violence again. Again, as he has done many, many times. As he said, that marijuana leads to crime.
4: We've heard this. Let's see if I can pull it up. (laughs) My view is that... Crime does follow drugs. Uh, In the 70s and 80s, we saw so many lives destroyed by drug abuse. Drug use had dropped dramatically since Nancy Reagan started the Just Say No program. And drug use.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. All right, you podcasters, that's all the time we got. If you're listening live, stay tuned for Hour 2. We've got some lame Kevin Cement news to talk about.
3: Plus, reaction from the CBD industry on my recent post on CBD oil being illegal.
0: Until next time, take care of each other, tokers.